Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are mixed this morning. Tokyo is up more than half a percent. Sydney is in the green as well. Seoul is down 0.6%, though. Yesterday, the Kospi suffered its worst loss since August 2020, tumbling 3.5%. And this morning, the selling pressure in Seoul continues. Investors, meanwhile, will all have their eyes on Hong Kong this afternoon as it releases GDP figures. Joining me now as we break down all the market action, Ryan Huang. Good Friday morning. Morning, Michelle. How's it going so far? Pretty good. How's your morning going so far? I'm feeling pretty short, right? You're getting that Friday feeling? Feeling pretty short compared to you. I've got to lift this chair up. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you need a cushion. <laughs> Either that or I've shrunk overnight. To some extent, there seems to be a big contrast this morning, not just between Ryan's height and mine, but between the economy, corporate earnings and share prices. The latest figures from the US and blue chip companies in the States and here in Singapore are largely positive, but the markets are definitely in the doldrums. The US economy grew nearly 7% last year. Apple and Keppel here in Singapore are reporting strong profits, but the market Well, the Russell 2000 index of small cap stocks is now officially in bear market territory, down more than 20% from its peak. I'm going to get to all of these in turn. But let's start here at home with Keppel Corp. It netted more than $1 billion in 2021, its best performance in six years. So what's driving Keppel's success? All right, Keppel Corporation doing well, big turnaround. And that was due to all segments of its business. So it saw improved performances across the board compared with 2020, which was a tough year for Capital because of its holdings in offshore marine and everything else. And if you look at the main driver, you've got urban development, um, which was the biggest contributor to 75% of its 2021 bottom line. Um, the other parts include connectivity, energy and environment, and asset management. So as a result of those strong earnings, it's proposing a dividend of 21 cents per share for the final dividend. So this takes the total dividends for the year to 33 cents. And this is versus what it paid out in the year prior of mm-hmm. 10 cents, so more than three times. Nearly two years ago, Keppel unveiled a Vision 2030 strategy in which it pledged a strategic review of its offshore and its marine business, as well as plans to unlock several billion dollars worth of value from its assets. Ryan, are these latest numbers a sign that this strategy, Vision 2030, is working? Yeah, it does seem that case. Let's start with the asset monetization program first. So from October 2020 to December 2021, Capital announced the monetization of $2.9 billion in assets and it collected $2.7 billion of this in cash. So this pretty much shows how much good progress it's been making towards its target of $5 billion in asset monetization by the end of next year. So it's already halfway there based on its own targets. And if you look at the group's performance, they are looking at also going into more energy improvement programs. For example, making its data centers more efficient, uh, going to areas like renewables, decarbonization, clean energy, urban renewal and connectivity. So um, Capo is saying it's on the lookout for potential M&A targets 
for data center platforms, not only in Asia, but also in Europe, India and the US, and also how it can bring more green operations around all these data centers. So that's an area they are eyeing. And also worth noting that good performance, the asset monetization and the improvement and the turnaround of all those businesses after that strong year, it is feeling confident enough to announce a share buyback program of $500 million. So that could really put its share price in focus today. What do Kebel's results mean for its bid to buy Singapore Press Holdings? It's in a competition with a group led by the hotelier Ong Beng Seng to acquire SPH's non-media assets. Yeah, on the surface, after a good year, it really puts it in a strong position to be even more credible candidate to purchase those assets because of the potential synergies and of course the potential runway for even more acquisitions to add to its portfolio. So that will put it in a good position for the time when the voting happens. So here is where um, we have right now, um, in terms of the latest update, uh, based on Keppel's EGM, it managed to receive a strong mandate from its own shareholders mm. towards that proposal to acquire Aspacious assets. Yeah. So now the ball is in Aspacious court, where it now is waiting to release a date for a scheme meeting to allow Aspacious shareholders to vote on Capital's proposal. So that is when we will finally know who wins. Yeah, so we'll be keeping a close eye on that, of course. In the meantime, some potentially good news for Keppel shareholders. The company launching a $500 million share buyback scheme. Share buybacks generally provide a boost to the company's shares. All right, next up, I've got my eyes on Apple. The iPhone maker is reporting its highest ever quarterly earnings. It sold more than $120 billion US dollars worth of goods and services in the last quarter and netted more than... 30 billion. If we backtrack a couple of months, Ryan, analysts and investors were concerned that supply chain issues would dog Apple's Mm. business. But looking at these latest results, that doesn't seem to have quite panned out, right? That's right. Everyone was worried about supply chain issues, even Apple. And so much so that we had CEO Tim Cook warning that the shortages could cost Apple more than $6 billion in sales. And this is pretty much around the holiday stretch where you've got people buying gifts, presents for Christmas. So it turns out that wasn't as bad as they thought because we now have Apple posting a solid quarter. In Mm. fact, record sales up 11%. One hundred twenty-three point nine billion dollars, and this is above the consensus estimates of one hundred nineteen point one billion dollars on revenue. Profit also beat expectations. So those strong results show that maybe the worries may have been overblown, and Apple can manage its supply chain much more effectively than its competitors. The other big piece of news from Apple headquarters is that it is going to turn iPhones into payment terminals. Small businesses will only need an iPhone with no external hardware to process credit cards. The move is a direct challenge to Jack Dorsey and Block, which owns Square. Tell us more. What's the latest? Yeah, this is a very interesting development because Apple making a big push into the financial space. And if you look at what's out there, when you want to transact with um, your credit cards using the existing products out there, you do need a bit of a hardware add-on to some of your devices, your For example, we mentioned Square. That needs a bit of an add-on to your existing phone. But with Apple's apparently new technology that they are pushing out to small businesses, uh, you can make payments without additional hardware. So this is through 
NFC features that the iPhone has and that's going to be possibly a big headway for iPhone in making it a bigger part of its business. Um, the payment system and then locking in all those merchants into the Apple world. So it is um, interesting times for payment systems because they can then pretty much extend more services like the big thing right now, BNPL, buy now, pay later. So it's got so many potential applications that we could see Apple putting out in future. Shares of Block closed down nearly 5% overnight. Apple is up about 4% in after-hours trade. Ryan, onwards now to the U.S. economy. It grew faster last year than expected, despite the spread of Omicron. U.S. GDP clocking in at 6.9%. That's well ahead of the 5.5% estimate. What's behind the better-than-expected growth? Yeah, everyone was a bit worried about Omicron and how that might have dented sentiment in spending. But it turns out you didn't see that happen as much as we feared. So consumer activity and business spending were the factors that really drove the numbers higher. And this is with businesses stocking up more in inventories, consumers spending more. Mm. So it looks like that is showing signs that the US economy and the US consumer is still supporting the economy and those worries about Omicron slowing down activity may have also been overblown. The mood in the U.S. is still relatively sour, though. Despite the good GDP numbers, jobless claims are still high. Orders for long-lasting goods hit their lowest point in nearly two years. The U.S. markets were initially trading higher overnight, but then sellers took over once again. The Nasdaq tumbled 1.4%, and as I mentioned at the top of our show, small-cap stocks have been particularly hard hit as well. So do you think markets are bottoming out, or do we still need to buckle in for a rough ride, Ryan? Yeah, this is interesting because we... We now have the Russell 2000 index that tracks all the small caps. Uh, it was down more than 2% last night and is deeper into correction territory right now, over 20% from its all-time high. And it is its lowest levels since December 2020. Mm. So it is a reflection of how investors are viewing the economy to some extent because small caps and businesses are some of the more sensitive ones to the economy and its outlook. So when these um, small caps and the Russell 2000 index moves, it's a reflection of how much confidence there is in the US economy. Um, So the thinking here is maybe with the small caps showing so much bearish sentiment, we could be in for a tough or volatile time. But at the same time, you have the potential for a turnaround because when these stocks are so cheap, you could see bargain hunters come back out again. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, looking forward to that healthy whiplash if that does happen. On the local market, we have a new listing this morning, Alpina Holdings. One of its key shareholders is former Minister for National Development, Ma Bautan. Ryan, what does Alpina do and how is its listing being received? Okay, Alpina is a business involved in integrated building services and it is set to list on the Catalyst board and it has his IPO fully subscribed and it's worth noting who is subscribed to it. So you've got former Minister for National Development, Ma Bao Tan, among those names, former Tanjong Paga constituency member of parliament, Chong Weng Chu, investment companies like Eternal Glade Investment, Polos Capital, Baiko Holdings. So these are among some of the names behind the Singapore-based integrated building services provider Alpina Holdings. So one to watch in the coming days. Next up, a sign that life may be returning to normal, at least somewhat. The F1 is roaring back to Singapore. Ryan, what do you think of that? (laughs) 
I am a bit surprised because I wasn't sure if things like the F1 event, these massive events will come back in what form um, when they do come back. Uh, but you now have some good news at least for hospitality, tourism perhaps, mm. and maybe even airlines because you now have the F1 race returning to Singapore. And it's worth noting, this is with a deal that stretches from 2022 to 2028. So effectively, a seven-year deal. And it makes it the longest contract so far. The previous deals have been four or five years. And with a longer deal, it is good in the sense that it gives more clarity and certainty to potential investors. So that gives them more incentive to plow in more money. That is um, something to watch out for in terms of the uplift to the various sectors that the F1 can help with. Whole different scale to this particular mass event. And if you're looking to your diaries and penciling it in, this year's night race uh, is to be held October 2nd. The news is not quite so good for Hong Kong. Now, even though the city is loosening up its strict quarantine a little bit, companies are increasingly showing signs of wanting to shift. The latest is Bank of America. This could be good news for Singapore, though. Tell us more. Yeah, so you've got the BOA or Bank of America, according to reports, looking to move their staff from Hong Kong to Singapore. So this is around how times have changed really in Hong Kong, where it's now facing a strict zero-COVID approach and many businesses are just being constrained by what they have to go through. So not a very comfortable situation for many businesses, especially expats. And now they are thinking, you know, with the need for travel, when they need to meet clients, some of the bankers travel in and out of Hong Kong because it's a financial hub and you've got pretty much face-to-face meetings uh, out of the window with all the potential restrictions and maybe even tougher ones to come. So that is something that they are worried about what it means for business activities and banking. So they are thinking maybe Singapore would be a more conducive place at least for headquarters. Now, we talked yesterday, we had a really interesting discussion about whether or not you need to put your winter coats on. You know, is a crypto winter upon us or is it approaching? And we spoke to two guests actually to get different views. Bitcoin prices are down 40% over the past three months, but that is not stopping Google from taking a step in the direction of accepting payments in crypto. Its parent company, Alphabet, is forming a team to win blockchain business. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's interesting times. Um, I guess it should come as no surprise that, that Google wants a piece of every pie. <laughs> and you've got now Google trying to make its way into the blockchain in a bigger fashion. It's got a team being formed up to win business um, in things all to do with blockchain applications. And it's interesting to note it has been trying to do so in spaces like retail, healthcare, and various other industries. And it's worth noting as well, this will help it to diversify even more away from advertising and its other services like cloud computing will help to provide some synergies for it as well. So it does really paint a bit of a very holistic approach towards it because blockchain really fits into the Google ecosystem. Okay, our last headline of the morning before we check in on markets. Ryan, have you ever wanted to invest in space? Perhaps more specifically in a space station because now you can. Right? Yeah, going by <laughs> what we have in the latest to go public via a spec route, this is an Italian space company called D Orbit. It has a valuation of $1.4 billion. And this is with a spec called Breeze Holdings and is expected to close later this year and the second or third quarter. 
All right. Imagine that. Its key product, apparently, a satellite carrier called ION, a flexible, cost-effective solution meant to deliver satellites into space. Very exciting. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 21 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index fell in line with regional markets yesterday, dropping about one-third of a percent to 32.60. Dairy Farm was the biggest loser among the blue chips, falling nearly 5%. How was the SDI trading this morning? Yeah, guess what? The Bagan Hunters are out across the region and in line with the rest of the region is also in the green. You've got the STI up by 0.1%, 3,264. A uh, quick check-in on the complexion of what we have right now. Pretty much split across the middle. Um, I have my eye on two stocks this morning. Capital Corporation, of course, we talked about its strong results as well as its $500 million share buyback program is now in the green by nearly 7% at $565. Now, the other stock I'm looking at closely today is DBS. So it's in the news today for officially confirming it will buy the Taiwan assets of Citibank. So this is something they think will help accelerate its growth in Taiwan by at least 10 years and expects material synergies to be realized from the enlarged scale. And the deal will make DBS Taiwan's largest foreign bank by assets. So it's paying around $956 million for those assets in Taiwan from Citi. So let's take a look at where we are for DBS Bank right now. And we have it Right now, slightly underwater by 0.7% at $35.03. Terrific. Ryan Huang there. Coming up, we'll take a look at a couple of portfolios that will allow you to gain exposure to the world's most technologically innovative or global real estate and infrastructure. I know we just talked about investing in space, but there are some other mega trends that people want to get involved with um, ahead of economic shifts. The problem for most people is um, they don't have an institutional team screening and identifying best-in-class funds. So we'll take a look at some possibilities here. Uh, portfolio optimization that has been done for Singapore-based investors. And we'll tell you a little bit more about these sophisticated so-called satellite portfolios. That's coming up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.